Welcome to a special five-part podcast series entitled Mastering Chat GPT. My special guest throughout this five-part journey is Larry Roberts, an accomplished IT and marketing professional with over 25 years of experience. Over this series, we will look at AI and Chat GPT, the ethics of Chat GPT, how Chat GPT will change education and compliance training, the intersection of creativity and Chat GPT, and the business applications of Chat GPT. I know you'll enjoy this series, and I hope you'll join myself and Larry Roberts for the entire five part exploration of the use of this cutting edge technology for your business. Welcome to Mastering Chat GPT. In this episode four, we take up creativity and chat GPT. Hello, everyone. Tom Fox backing in with Larry Roberts as we continue our exploration of chat GPT. Today, we're going to take up the topic of AI versus human creativity. Can chat GPT really write? First of all, welcome back, Larry. Thanks so much, Tom. It's been fun so far. I'm looking forward to this one. It has been. Larry, this is another topic that we've touched on earlier, and you had the great phrase of writing assistant. But yeah. maybe we could take a little bit deeper dive is how or where do you see chat GPT as a writer? Let's start with applicability, then we'll go to proficiency. <laughs> it's very applicable as a writer. If you have the opportunity to test ChatGPT to write a blog post or write an article, I highly recommend you start off by playing with it in that regard. But one of the cool things, and this is a project that I'm working on with someone, is we're literally taking their blog posts. They have over 200 blog posts, and we're loading those up into ChatGPT. And then having ChatGPT analyze each and every one of those blog posts, consolidate all of that data, and then write their book over those 200 plus blog posts. So that's been a very fun project that I'm smack dab in the middle of. It's been very effective so far. It's been a bit of a learning experience as well for me, which is really cool. But it just goes on to demonstrate how well ChatGPT can be as a writer. What about the creative writing? Do you have you seen any examples of real creativity from ChatGPT in the writing format? I mean, one of the things that I did, and this is one of the first experiments I had with ChatGPT. There's a story where my wife, we've got these two squirrels that live in the backyard. And my wife, she just loves those squirrels. She goes out and she says hi to them every morning and hangs out and that sort of thing. And she came in one day and she goes, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe it. But the brother and sister squirrel, he moved out and he moved to a different tree in the backyard. So he went over to the a different tree and built him a nest. And now they live in two separate trees. And I said, well, that's a cute story, honey. But to me, it sounds like it's a divorced couple of squirrels. And he packed up his suitcase and he moved to a different tree in the neighborhood. But he wanted to stay close because they have a couple of children, right? So he wanted to be able to co-parent. So he stayed in the same backyard. So I got inspired to take that. And I prompted Chat GPT with that prompt. And it literally, in seconds, wrote me an entire children's book about two diver divorced squirrels and how they were working together to co-parent their three little baby squirrels. So when he moved out, he stayed in the backyard. Chad GPT gave it a title, called it Squirrely Love. And before you knew it, I went and I illustrated it using Dolly, which is a open AI product as well, which is a text to image generator. And it, within 15, 20 minutes, I had an entire children's book called Squirrely Love that reflected that story. So from a creative perspective, 
it did an amazing job. So yes, ChatGPT can be very creative in helping you write any story that you want. How would you assess the differences in human creativity and AI or ChatGPT creativity? Or are you just going to say, Tom, I told you in episode one, it's an assistant and it's still an assistant. It's definitely still an assistant, but creativity is a very subjective word. We can look at our prompts and the response that ChatGPT gives us based on those prompts and decide whether or not it's creative to us, and it may not be creative to somebody else. But from what I've seen, ChatGPT still tends to lack the emotional element that we're looking for in creative products. So this goes back to a running theme that we've had in all of the episodes, and that's that human element that still comes into play, that emotional element that still comes into play. When you're using GPT to write something for you, it gives you typically a fairly accurate response, but it's also typically a very cold and maybe a little wordy response that doesn't sound like you and really just doesn't sound really all that human unless maybe you're a PhD, (laughs) very detailed. So you lose that emotional creative element when getting those direct responses back sometimes. So I was incredibly intrigued by your use of the Turing test for creativity. Could you remind our audience what is the Turing test and how we would use it in today's chat GPT environment? Had to look that one up too. I wish we had these bullet points before we started because <laughs> I forgot that one too. But here we go. The Turing test is really interesting because it gives us an opportunity to put up, a, whether it's output of a blog post or something that we've written or an image and try to determine whether or not that's AI created. And a lot of the tools that were out there, especially from a graphical or a, an image perspective, a lot of those are still pretty obviously AI generated. Some aren't. Some are pretty pretty good, and they're getting better. There's some applications out there. I know we're specifically talking about ChatGPT, but there are some other AI products out there for image generation like MidJourney and Adobe Firefly that are just are stable diffusion. Uh, these are products that are creating images that will blow your mind, and I think that's always a fun experiment. It would be interesting to put something like that together for one of these episodes, as a matter of fact, Tom. Have me generate something and then have me write something and see if you could tell whether or not it was AI generated or Larry generated. So we actually talked about that a little bit earlier because my experience is along the lines of what you said, the writing tends to be either robotic or God rest my father's soul written for our PhD by a PhD. (laughs) So a highly technical, very dry, and it really doesn't have that, even that sort of basic human emotion in business writing, which is something that I do a fair amount. I think, at least for me right now in the writing part, I'm not as familiar with uh, the visual component creation of ChatGPT. But yes, you still can determine this. Let me move to, I, I don't know if this is an ethical question or not, but I know there's a lot of gnashing of teeth around the implications for creatives. And as you probably guess, I come down on the side of, hey guys, it's just a tool. It's a very good tool and a cutting edge tool, but it's no different than a wheat thresher from the 1830s. It's just a tool. But I know a lot of creatives don't feel that way. So what are some of the implications? Or maybe even, I know you speak a lot on this and questions you might get from the audience about the future of creatives in our world. 
One of the biggest questions is IP. Who owns the IP that's created using in any of these AI tools? And that's definitely something that's being debated. There are a few cases that are already out there. Midjourney, I mentioned them a minute ago, is a text-to-image generator. They have several lawsuits pending against them as well as to whether or not they're using images that aren't theirs to create these new images. But if we're creating new images based off of references of other images, where does that take us? So that's one of the biggest questions that I hear is who owns the IP? And Back in January, when we were at PodFest, there was a legal, which is a podcasting conference. There was a legal conference that was there as well. And I had the opportunity to speak to a couple of lawyers and was discussing the impacts of AI in the creative process. And at the time, I met a gentleman and told me, he told me a story about a photographer. And this photographer was on safari and he was out to take pictures of monkeys and he had set his camera up and got everything just perfect to take this shot. And he had to take a little jungle business or something. So he stepped away from his camera for a few minutes, came back. And while he was gone, a monkey had come up and taken an image or taken a picture using his camera of this monkey's face. And it was an amazing image. And he started selling it online, but animal rights activists, they got involved. They're like, you can't sell that. That's not your image. You didn't take the picture. And it ended up going to court. And he actually ended up winning the lawsuit because it was determined that while, yeah, the monkey actually clicked the shutter and took the picture, one, monkeys can't own IP. But the other side of it was that he had the skills to use the tools that allowed the picture to be taken in the first place. He set the aperture. He chose the lens. He had everything in place to take that perfect image. And this creature just happened to walk up and snap a picture. And from that perspective, that's what we're seeing now with all of these AI tools. You don't just go click a button and get all this magnificent art or these amazing books. It just doesn't work that way. We, as the user, as you just said, Tom, we're leveraging this tool. We have to know how to prompt the tool. We have to know how to take that output and format it properly. We know how we have to take those images that are generated and maybe we have to pull them into Photoshop and tweak them a little bit. So we still have to know how to use these tools. So from that perspective, the IP right now looks like it's still ours. And we, in, in, our creative process, make those final decisions as to what that output sounds like, looks like, reads like. So we're still the creators from that perspective. Larry, I think you may have actually hit the entire theme of this this podcast series because I thought it was going to be, it's just an assistant, but it's have the skills. Every episode you've talked about having the skills to interact with chat GPT. You talked about how you built your own set of skills by literally working with it. You've talked about using it in communications and educational components by working with it, but it's a trained professional who's interacting with chat GPT. I laughed about a young associate at a law firm using it, but that's having the skills to use that. And here you are in the creative process, defending a creative, keeping their own intellectual property because they had the skills. And so it really, you have really driven home for me that this is a tool. It's a sophisticated tool, maybe the best we have right now, but it's just a tool at this point. And that we, as the users, have to learn how to access that tool. And the people who are going to have jobs, and you even said this, are the people who can use the tool. So it seems to me that 
using that tool is a great opportunity, but the onus is on us to learn how to use that tool. Would that long-winded answer be a fair assessment? <laughs> That's 100% a fair assessment. And regardless of what tool we're using, you know, I've touched based on a couple in this episode, but whether it's ChatGPT or an image generation tool, prompt engineering is the key to each and every one of these tools, knowing how to write prompts for each different tool, because one prompt doesn't necessarily work on another tool. So we have to understand the intricacies of these tools and the input that these tools are open to. And we have to learn how to structure those in a way that get us predictable results each and every time. That's one of the biggest complaints that I hear on any of these tools is that I can't replicate my answers. I can't replicate the results. And while, especially from an image generation perspective, that's pretty true. The better we get at our prompts and the more specific and the more detailed and more information we feed these tools, the better our opportunities are of having the predictable results that we're looking for. So I think I said that even in our first episode of this series was knowing how to structure those prompts and give ChatGPT the information it needs to fulfill your expectations. Larry, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I hope our listeners will join us for our final episode because we're going to bring it all home with explaining how or what the power of chat GPT is in business. But before we leave today, if our listeners wanted to get in touch with you or perhaps even schedule a time to meet with you, what would be the best way for them to do? Yeah, best spot is to find me on my website, redhatmedia.io. Or if you want to schedule some time with me, head over to meetlarryroberts.com, pick a date, pick a time that works best for you, and let's talk about your AI projects. Larry, I greatly look forward to concluding this conversation. Thanks, Tom. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this five-part series on Mastering Chat GPT. If you'd like more information on Larry Roberts or his company, Red Hat Media, we've linked to his information in the show notes. I hope you'll reach out to him. Larry's a great font of information about Chat GPT, and he loves to talk to people about this. If you're in the compliance arena and have more questions that are compliance-focused, I hope you'll reach out to myself as well. I'm available at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Mastering Chat GPT has been a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope you will subscribe, rate, and review wherever great podcasts are listened to. I hope you'll join us again for another special series from the Compliance Podcast Network.